Okay, good evening, everyone. Welcome to our uh, Wednesday night service. Shall we pray first? Father, we praise and thank you, Lord, for being the God who never changed. Thank you, dear God, for being there for us, especially, Lord, for sustaining us throughout the day. And tonight, Lord, where we could come to you, commune with you, dear God, and spend time with our fellow believers. And Father, we ask that you will shower your blessing that the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts, Lord, that you will change us to be conformed to the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we bring back the glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And tonight we're going to sing, In my life, Lord, be glorified. Good evening, everyone, once again. And uh, <clears throat> if you have your Bible with you, please open the book of Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to look at uh, verses uh, 3 to verses 11, from verse 3 down to verse 11. And last time, I shared to you guys about the characteristics of a healthy church. And tonight, I'll be sharing to you the characteristic of a growing believer. So Philippians chapter 1, I'll be reading uh, just verse number 9. We're going to read the rest of the verses later. And it says here, the Word of God says, This is my prayer that your love may grow more and more in knowledge in all discernment. Shall we pray first? Father, we ask, Lord, for wisdom. We ask for the Holy Spirit, Lord, to 
enlighten us, dear God, as we ponder upon your word. Lord, Father, help us to be humble before you and have a, a heart that is ready to embrace the truth and leave it. Because we believe it is not just for us to learn, but also to be the person that you want us to be, dear God. So help us, and we commit this thing to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And tonight, I'll be sharing the characteristics of a growing believer. You know what? Every parent expects that their kids, you know, someday they're going to grow as the time goes by. They will grow and be mature physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, expecting changes, development, improvements, growth, progress, or whatever you're going to call it. As the days, months, and years, just like my wife, oh, our baby is growing so fast. So I said, it's normal. But you know what? Likewise with our Heavenly Father, also God he is also expecting us, looking forward, that each and every one of us will grow spiritually. There's going to be improvement, changes, development, progress when it comes to our Christian life, when it comes to our relationship with Him. You know what? Tonight, it is it is, this passage would tell us, give us a list of characteristics of a growing Christian, but also this passage will help us to examine and evaluate, am I growing in my Christian life? Am I really, you know, growing in my relationship with God? You know, a lot of people, sometimes Sunday becomes, you know, part of our routine, you know, if, if we miss one Sunday, we could say, you know, my month is not complete. But that Sunday, you know, sometimes become, you know, a normal Sunday. Brother and sister in Christ, I want you to ask yourself, examine yourself, evaluate, how is your relationship with God? If somebody would ask you how deep, how close, how, how wonderful is your relationship with God? How is Jesus in your life? How is your relationship with him? How deep, how close your relationship with God? And that's where you go what we're going to look at tonight. And the first thing we could see here in verse number three, I just said, we're going to start with verse number three. The first thing that we could see here, the mark of a growing Christian, how you will know that you are growing spiritually. First, there is a mark of a thankful heart. It says there, verse number three, I thank my God every time I remember you. It says there, you know what? It is not normal for believers to be ungrateful. The book of Exodus chapter 16, it will tell us about the story of the nation of Israel. You know, after, after God delivered them out of slavery in Egypt, and here comes this people complaining to God, Lord, you know, God gave what they need and also what they want. But these people complain to God. In Exodus 16, verse 8, it says there, Moses and Aaron said to them, you are murmuring. Your murmuring is not against us, but against the Lord. And Apostle Paul encouraged, reminded the church of Philippians or the Philippian church, do all things without murmuring and disputing. It is not normal for a person who believes in God to be ungrateful. And there are three reasons that causes Paul to be thankful in this passage. Number one, Paul remembered the privilege of serving God. It says there, I thank my God. You know what? From being God's enemy to being God's servant. 
And Apostle Paul remembered the privilege of being the servant of God. Even though Apostle Paul was in prison, he did not allow it or to cause him to complain, to question God's love and kindness. Because for Apostle Paul, being God's servant is a privilege. Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know what? For Apostle Paul to suffer in prison and even to death, Paul was willing and grateful to serve Christ. You know what? We don't have the same situation back then, you know, like Apostle Paul's in the disciples' time. You know what? Our, sometimes our, our service is not between life and death right now. But the question is, are you willing to do the, you know, to come up to that point that you will say, Lord, for me to live you know, is Christ and to die is gain. Paul remembered the privilege of serving God. But also, you know what? To understand that serving God is a privilege is a sign that we are growing in Christ. But also, Paul, not only the privilege, but also the power of God. It says there, my God. In all his circumstances, Paul had seen the power of God. You know, as he looked back in all, you know, situation, it amazes him more and more how God's hand worked in his life. You know, how, God, how God used him to cast out demons, to heal the cripple, or to resurrect the dead. How God manifested his power by saving them from prison, changing the lives of people, saving his own life physically and also spiritually. And probably you have your own story, right? How God manifested his power in your life. Every one of us, we have our own, you know, uh, life experience with God, how God manifests his power. It could be, you know, saving your life, performing miracles, you know, God's provision, and even, you know, from being a worse person, changing into a better person, like Apostle Paul. And above all, saving us from our sin. It manifesting the power of God. God manifests his power each and every day of our lives by giving us a brand new day, renewed strength, wisdom, provision, you know, and even listening to our prayers. And we need to be thankful for that. Somebody asked me, why you always mention, you know, Thank you for giving us a brand new day, or thank you for giving us another life. I said, you know what? Not, not all people who close their eyes at night open their eyes in the morning, right? And it's a miracle of God. Yeah, that is the power of God. Not only Paul remembered the privilege, also the power, and third, the people of God. It says there, every time... I remember you. It refers to the Philippian believers. It's a reminder for us, or for even Paul. Paul did not stand alone in the world. He was not alone. He's not the only person living for God and sharing Christ. He belonged to a great family, and that is a family of believers. And remember that Paul was in prison when Apostle Paul wrote this book of Philippians. That he was a great distance from Philippian believers. He did not have their presence, but we could see there all he had, all he had was the memory of their time together. You know, just imagine Apostle Paul sitting there in prison, remembering their love, care, and support. His heart swelled up with thanksgiving for them. And he thanked God for them. 
And what a lesson for us here tonight. If Paul thanked God for believers, you know, uh, who were so far away from him, and how much more should we thank God for each other, right? We have the love and the care and support for each other. Week by week, you know, day by day, and we can just call upon each other for help any hour or any day. Now, the question is, how often do we thank God for each other? Are you thankful that your brother and sister in Christ, you know, seeing them every Sunday, every Wednesday, you know, every day? And we should follow Apostle Paul's example, thanking God for all believers every day. Why? Because we are not alone in the world. You are not alone in the world, right? We are a family in Christ. Not only that there's a mark of a thankful heart, but also there's a mark of prayer. It says there, verse number four, in all my prayers for all of you. You know what? Apostle Paul is, you know, was known for being a prayerful man. Apostle Paul says that he always prayed for the church and for all believers. And if we're going to look at Apostle Paul's life, it would teach us about how to pray. Number one, we could see there a specific prayer. It says there, for all of you. And a lot of Bible scholars says that the word all there, it's not referring to the church or believers in general sense. But it's referring to, you know, each of them, one by one. Meaning, Apostle Paul is praying for the believers, mentioning them by name. You know, it's, it's, it's a good challenge for us. When was the last time you, you prayed for the members of this church by name? I remember, I remember my, you know, my batchmate, while I was still in the seminary, we are, we are asked to help the community after the typhoon, you know, no electricity, no, no drinking water, no, no food, no, all the stores are, were closed during that time. And we've been working, cleaning the road for four hours. And one of the members of the church uh, brought us food. And he was, he was asked to pray. And he prayed, Lord, you know what I mean, amen. Right? <laughs> Probably he was so tired, you know, thirsty and hungry. Lord, you know what I mean, amen. But Apostle Paul would set a good example to pray, you know, specifically, a specific prayer. Not only that, but also an intense prayer. It says there, you know, in all prayer for all of you. So this is not just a, a five minutes, you know, prayer or what. To take blocks of time, you know, to take time to pray. To pray for each church and each believer. You know what? Not only that, a specific prayer, an intense prayer, but also a consistent prayer. It says there to always all day long, pray for the church of our living Lord. In the book of Romans 1.9, it says there, Paul said, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always. And also Ephesians 1.16, it says there, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So Apostle Paul, take time to pray for each church and believer. And not only a thankful heart, 
mark of a, you know, prayer, but also there is a mark of joy. It says there, verse number four, I always pray with joy. Remembering that Paul was in prison, yet his heart is filled with joy. It's the opposite, right? Paul was in prison, but still Paul experienced the joy of the Lord. Because primarily, Paul was in prison because he was preaching Christ. Joy means an inner gladness. It is a deep of assurance and confidence that ignites a cheerful and rejoicing heart. It is a cheerful heart that leads to cheerful and rejoicing behavior. The joy of the Lord is not the same joy as the joy of the world. The joy of the, the world is more of temporary pleasure than joy. You know what? The, the world's joy is always nagged by some incompleteness, some lack, some unfulfilling things, some missing ingredients. Have you ever eat your favorite food and you, when you taste it, there is something missing? And that is the joy of the world. There is something missing. It's not complete. You are not satisfied. There is not a completeness, not a complete sense of assurance or confidence and satisfaction. Why? Because there is a knowledge or awareness that something can go wrong, right? It could be sickness, death, financial loss, or war. That's why the joy of the world there is what we call awareness from being full and complete and assuring and satisfying because there is something missing. But the, but the believer's joy, your joy as Christian, our joy is divine. It is possessed and given only by God. You know what? Its roots are not earthly materials, you know, things or cheap triumph of life. It is the joy of the Holy Spirit. It is his very own joy, the very own joy of God. And that is in Christ. Not only the joy is divine, but also joy does not depend on circumstances or happiness. You know, we, we, know, we all know what happiness is. Happiness depends upon happenings, right? Like, like for, I asked the youth, how do you define, you know, happiness? You know, during a party. When the, the party is over, and they're not all happy anymore, right? Because it's over, right? But the joy that God implants in our hearts as a believer overrides all, even the matters of life, of life and death. You know that? It overrides all. Uh, somebody said that, that there is no wound that heaven's going to heal because of that joy. The joy that we have in Christ. And third, joy springs from faith. Meaning the more we trust God, the more our joy increases. And the more troubles comes in our lives, the more we trust God, and the more our joy increases. That's why in, for Apostle Paul, if there is testing and troubles, Apostle Paul rejoices. Why? Because the more he trusts God. And the more his joy increases. And the same thing, that's, that's the way we look at struggles in life and problems in life. It's an opportunity for us to trust God, right? Like in, in the Philippines, we have what we call prayer meeting night. That's, that's what we call Wednesday night. You know what? If, 
if there is problem, you know, like like we have typhoons or any disaster, we have, you know, our 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 attendance increase. Because the more people come to God and ask for, you know, Lord, ask for deliverance, ask for provision because because of the testing and troubles. But but like during summer, there's no storm or typhoon. You know, our our attendance go down because they don't need God because there's no trouble, right? But but the true believers, our joy springs from faith. The more we trust God, the more joy increase. And also for the joy of future reward makes and keeps the believers faithful. You know what? As as we serve God, you have to remember that somebody is watching you. Okay? You know, a lot of people, let's say, you know, as, as what the Bible says, that we're not going to be like a servant, that we're going to work hard if the master is, you know, watching you. But it is a, a good reminder for us that as we serve God, that God is watching you, and you have to remember your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Time will come that God will reward your labor. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The joy of future reward makes and keeps the believers faithful. And fourth, there is a mark of fellowship, verse number five. And I, I just wanted to highlight two things here in this verse about fellowship. The source of fellowship is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says there, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, Christian believers have fellowship, a spiritual bond, a spiritual union because we have experienced the same salvation and salvation of God. We have embraced the same faith in Christ. A true believers are bound together around the gospel, all living the same kind of life and doing the same kind of things. We live, serve, bear witness to the same Lord. Therefore, our lives are bound together in the spirit of Christ and fellowship. We gather together because we experience the same salvation and the same faith. That's the reason why we gather together. We have something in common, and that is our salvation. And also, second, fellowship with the believers is to exist from the very first day of salvation. Apostle Paul highlighted that word from the very first day of salvation, meaning it is God's desire for each one of us that at the moment of salvation, we're going to fellowship with other believers. And what a glorious testimony the Philippian church had. It had been 10 years since some of the members had given their lives to follow Christ and founded the church. And we could see there the church had continued from the very first day of its founding. As all churches experience, there must have been differences and problems in that church. But the believers handled them in Christ. Therefore, the peace and the unity of the Spirit was kept alive and the fellowship of the church remained strong. Brother and sister in Christ, abandoning the fellowship is not the answer. Not even an option if there is conflict inside a church. Not an answer, not even an option for us. Brother and sister in Christ, we could do the same thing. Let us keep the unity and the peace of the Spirit alive in this church. Because we have experienced the same salvation. We have embraced the same faith. And God wants us 
to be faithful from the very first day of salvation until he comes. And last, third to the last, there is a mark of confidence in God's salvation. You know what? Confidence and assurance is one of the quality of a genuine believers. If you are here tonight and you don't have, you know, assurance, you better ask yourself, maybe you are not safe. Because confidence and assurance are two of the qualities of a genuine believers. The Spirit of God actually bears witness with the spirit of believers that he is going to be redeemed someday by God, presented perfect before God. The presence of the Holy Spirit within the believer's body is the very guarantee of the believer's salvation. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, it means you are not saved. Because of that, number one, the believer's has an absolute confidence in the work of salvation. If you have the Holy Spirit, it says there, being confident of this. You know what? We have the confidence through the presence of God's Spirit or the Holy Spirit who dwells within us because the Holy Spirit is our seal. If we're going to go back during the Bible times, what is what we call seal, it signifies three things. A seal signifies first a finished transaction. Remember the last words of Jesus Christ? It is finished, meaning paid in full. The payment for our sin was settled. The Holy Spirit is like your receipt, you know, your receipt. It is like holding that receipt of your last payment for what you owe. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would tell you that it is paid in full when Christ died on the cross. And I am the receipt for that payment. Not only that, it signifies ownership, that we belong to Christ. You know, the book of Ephesians chapter 1 would tell us, verse 13, it says there, God put a special mark of ownership on you by giving the Holy Spirit. Meaning... When we died and stand before God, Lord, I have that mark. I have that Holy Spirit that I belong to you. Right? And third, it signifies security. That we belong to God once and for all, forever. Ephesians 1.14 says, The Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we will receive what God promised to his people. That we belong to God once and for all. And what a joy to have that security that whatever would, you know, we don't know what lies ahead, but one thing we know that we have the Holy Spirit as our security, that someday we will be with the Lord. You know, God is preparing a place for us, a place that there is, you know, no more tears, no more pain. And the Holy Spirit would give us, you know, is security that we will be with the Lord forever because once and for all, we belong to God. And second, the work begun by God is a good work. It says in that verse, it is a work that changes the life of the believers. Brother and sister in Christ, no matter what kind of life a person was living, once God converts him, the new believer begins to live a good life. Right? A life of righteousness, purity, holiness, a life of love, joy, and peace, a life of faith and humility and control. Somebody said that when the spiritual touches the physical, it will never be the same again. 
Meaning once you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not the same person at all. You are a new man. You are a new person. You are a new creation of God. That's, that's one of the evidence that you are truly saved because there's what we call changes. When God touches you, believe in him, you are not the same person at all. And try to ask yourself, is there any changes in my life? When the spirit world touches the physical, it will never be the same again. And you are not the same person at all. And six, there is a mark of Christian partnership. And I like this part. Apostle Paul and the church were partners in heart. It says there, it is right for me to feel, verse number seven and eight, this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. You know what? Paul loved them as he loved himself. And the same with the, with the Philippian believers. He held them ever so dear into his heart, and they constantly filled his thoughts because Paul loved them as he loved himself. Not only that they were partners in heart, but also they were partners in suffering. It says there, and whether I am in chains. This means that the church of Philippian believers sympathizing with Paul in his imprisonment, sending hopes to Paul while he was in prison, and also were themselves suffering because of the gospel, just as like Apostle Paul was. What one experienced, the other felt, and even the suffering of each other. And not only that, that they were partners in heart, in suffering, but also in the gospel. It says they're defending and confirming the gospel. The Philippian church had not given up the gospel, nor had they become silent or complacent in sharing the gospel to other people despite of persecution. They were actively defending and proclaiming the truth to other people. The church and its members were busy for Christ. I want you to, to ask yourself, when it comes to, you know, being partners with the church or with the minister, am I, am I partnering in heart, in suffering, in the gospel? They were taking the great commission of our Lord seriously. Is the great commission of the Lord is important to you? A lot of believers, they don't know what is the great commission of Christ. It's so sad. How you could, how you could say that you're serious if you don't even know what is the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for they were partners in the grace of God. It says, there all of you share in God's grace with me. You know what? Paul was expressing the wonderful grace of God, the favor and the blessing of God. And the Philippian church was expressing the same grace to Apostle Paul. And God was pouring richly the blessing upon both of them. Why? Because of their faithfulness. This passage shows that they were growing believers. They were, you know, there's a mark of a mature believers here. And because of that, God reaches blessing upon both Paul and the church. And fifth, there's were partners with Christ. And it says there, I love you with the love of Christ. You know, do you have the same love with other people? Do you love your brother with the same love of the Lord Jesus Christ? He longs for them with a the very affection and tenderness of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You know what? The greatest need of the church today is for partnership. Partnership among its members. Believers desperately need to become partners with each other and with the ministers of God. We need that. Partners in heart and suffering in the gospel and the grace of God and with the Lord Jesus Christ. And second to the last, almost there. There is the mark of a growing love. And also, I like this part. I shared it with, with, with other people. It says there, love in the Bible never focuses upon good feelings. Right? If you're going to look at John 3.16, it would tell us that, that love is a choice. You know? Love is an you know, action word. You know what? The focus of love is knowledge, it says there. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge. If we truly love someone, we want to know the, that person, right? In fact, we want to know all we can about the person. Yeah, of course, you cannot marry somebody you don't know, okay, right? You love the person and you want to know about that person. Not only the focus of love is knowledge, but also the force of love is judgment. It says there, in knowledge and depth of insight, it means intelligence or discernment. If we truly love someone, we not only we want to know a person or about the person, but we want to learn all we can about the person. We want to gather all the intelligence or the, all the facts and discernment so that we can please the person. And Apostle Paul wants the believers love to grow more and more. We need to know more about Christ and each other. We need to gather more and more understanding, more and more discernment, more and more intelligence about each other. Because the more we know about Christ and each other, the more our love for each other will grow. And there are three reasons why we need a love that grows more and more. It says there that you may approve the things that are excellent. A growing love is needed to approve the things that are excellent. It is not enough just to know what is right and wrong. It is not enough just to do what is right. Sometimes the choices between the good and the excellent, right? The acceptable and the best. And only a growing love will steer us to choose the excellent and the best. The more we love the Lord, the more we will choose the excellent and the best for him. The more we love each other, as brother and sister in Christ, the more we will choose the excellent and the best for each other. And not only that, a growing love is needed to be approved that things are excellent, but also a growing love is needed to be sincere and pure. It says there, that they're excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. The word sincere means pure, uncontaminated, not polluted, untainted. We are to stay pure until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? Only a growing love will keep our eyes focused upon Christ. If we do not love him, we will not look to him. If we love him, we will keep our eyes fastened upon him, longing to see and be with him. Only love, true love, will keep us pure, waiting for his return. You know, it's like uh, you know, a young lady who loves the soldier. 
that is waiting his return. If she truly loves him, he will keep her eyes fastened upon him and keep herself pure. Unless there is a mark of righteousness. It says there, verse 11, being filled with the fruit of the righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. Righteousness is a right behavior toward God and man. It is not referring to the imputed righteousness received at salvation, but a practical righteousness to be exhibited in our lives. As a believer, as a person who believes in God, we need to be a person, you know, promoting righteousness, having a right behavior toward God and man. Now, a lot of people, they're concerned to be right before God, but they are not right. They are not concerned to be right before men. You know, we know that principle, you know, the cross. If there is something wrong with a relationship with God, it's also affected our relationship with other people. Meaning we cannot be right before other people if we are not right before God. And the same thing, if we are not right before other people, we're not going to be right before God. That's what the Bible says. Before you present an offering to me, go to your brother and ask for forgiveness. Righteousness is a right behavior toward God and man, but also righteousness is a mark of God's people. Righteousness must be modeled by the believers. That's what Apostle Paul says, in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. As a believer, we must live a life of obedience to God, to God's word. We must live a life of righteousness. Now, as I close, I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself, am I growing in my relationship with God? Am I growing in my Christian life? You know what, Pastor Lynn and I discussed one time about, you know, drinking coffee, what affects your physical growth. And we don't have a definite answer to that. But, but I mean, you can see I drink 15 cups a day before. Probably that's why I'm short. <laughs> and, and, but let me share tonight a coffee that will help you to grow spiritually. Letter C stands for commune with him in prayer. Spend time with God if you want to grow spiritually. Spend time with him. Letter O, offer your life to him. Make your life available for his use, for God's glory. Letter F, follow fellowship with him through his word. You know, study God's word. We will never grow if we're not going to study God's word. That's what Apostle Paul says, that God's word is like our, our food. In order for you to grow physically, you have to eat. It's the same thing with our spiritual life. You have to eat, and that is to study God's word. Fellowship with other believers. You know, spend time with your fellow Christian. You know what? You're not going to grow if you're going to spend time with the people who deny God, who deny the existence of God. That's why we need one another because we help one another to grow in Christ. Letter E, empower yourself with the power of the Holy Spirit. Rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is in you. You know, it's just like, it's just like, you know, you know driving a, you know, the fastest car. You know, you have that big engine, but you just, you know, stick on 45 miles per hour. You know, you have that power, but you're not using it. And the same thing with the Holy Spirit, you know. You know, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is equal with God the Father and the Son. So use that. 
Rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you, to lead you in life. And last, enunciate the goodness of God. Make him known, especially his love, power, kindness, and faithfulness, especially to those who do not believe in him. Shall we pray? Father, we praise and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we still have time for our prayer time. I may ask Rafi to. Is there any uh, praises and prayer requests tonight? Okay. Some glad morning when this life is o'er. Right.